Hey, and welcome once again to Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Mike Freeman, and today we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where we are going to see once again this issue of uh, weaker brother, stronger brother. And here in chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is going to give us just a such a clear picture of how important it is not only to have correct knowledge, right doctrine, right belief, but for that to be paired with, with love with care, with looking after those who are around you. Let's just jump right into the text. Let me show you what I mean. We're going to look at a handful of basically the first half of the chapter. We can look at the whole thing. It's a short chapter, but I, I think we can cover this um, and get to the point with this first half. So uh, verse one of first Corinthians chapter eight says, now concerning food offered to idols. Here's what he says. He says, we know that all of us possess knowledge. And he says, this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. He's saying we all have some knowledge about this food offered to idols. And, and so he's going to lean in on how to think through, how, how to approach the knowledge we have about food offered to idols. But he's going to do it in a way that help, helps us think about how we, we love, how we build up. Verse 2. If anyone imagine, imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. He says, let's be humble about the way we approach this. Let's not just think we're a know-it-all. He says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. So this starts with a uh, recognition that if we love God, well, we're, we're known by God um, because we can't love God without God revealing himself and helping us to know him. And to this is us being known by God. Let's keep going. Verse 4, he says, therefore... As to the eating of food offered to idols, here, here's the knowledge. We know that an idol has no real existence. He says that that carved image that someone offered meat to and they prayed to, that, that idol it has no real existence. And that <clears throat> there is no God but one. See, ultimately, there's one God, the one true God. He is above all and, and overall. He says, for although there are there may be so Excuse me. There may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Here's what he's saying. He says, although there might be these other gods, which there is no other God, but there are spiritual forces, that demonic forces that want to stand in opposition to God. These are the, the powers and the principalities, right? Uh, these are all created beings that are created by God. There might be these other things. And yet we know that there is no other idol. There's no real existence in this idol. There might be a demonic spiritual force behind it. Yet... There's only one God. And so Paul, as he's talking about this, he's, he's approaching the weaker brother, stronger brother issue. He's saying there are those who they don't realize that this food offered to an idol, it does not really offer to any other God. And so uh, their, their mind, their conscience is burdened if they were to eat it. If they were to eat that food, they would feel like they're worshiping an idol. So they're burdened. They're the weaker brother. 
But the stronger brother, he says, well, that, that, that's meaningless. Food doesn't do anything spiritually. And so I can just eat it and move on with my day. And I'm not, I'm not burdened by it. Now, here's the point though. He says, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Here, here it is. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. See, his point isn't whether we're correct or not here. We should be. We should have a correct knowledge. But his point is, let's not use that knowledge to lead us into arrogance and to look down upon those who don't have that same knowledge. Later in the chapter, he says, if, if I'm going to eat this food offered to idol and it, an idol and it's going to make my brother, my weaker brother stumble, he says, I'm never going to eat meat again. See, he knows that he has the freedom to participate in this issue, to participate in, in eating something that it has no spiritual bearing on him whatsoever. God is not offended. God is not going to love him less. Paul is in Christ. He is secure because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Paul knows now that he lives to worship the one true God and what he eats, it does not matter. But if his brother or sister in Christ, they see him doing this and it, it causes them to stumble, it hurts their brother or sister spiritually because their conscience is bound so I'm not going to eat that meat. So I'd rather, I'd rather eat vegetables. This is how, how much Paul wanted to love those around him. He had the freedom, but his freedom was not going to lead him to be puffed up. He had the knowledge, but his knowledge was not going to lead him to be arrogant. Instead, even though, even though he had the right knowledge, he was willing to put others and their needs and their concerns in front of his own. Now, ideally, that weaker brother would come to the conclusion that, that Paul had come to, that they could eat those things and not be burdened by him. They could recognize it did not impact their standing before God for one second. But if they've not gotten to that point, well, Paul was unwilling to be a burden to them. See, knowledge, we, we should want knowledge, but we should also want love. If we have knowledge, but we don't have love, you know what it's going to do? It's going to make a bunch of arrogant Christians, a bunch of arrogant, self-focused Christians who want to exercise all of their rights, but forget about their obligations to others. Here's where I want to lean in for a second. Paul, he's making it clear that we have the obligation to love others and sometimes that love of others, that obligation to love others, it overshadows the rights that we have as believers. Do you have that right? Yes. But what's more important, your obligation or your right? What's more important, your freedom to do what you want to do or someone else and, and their spiritual standing and your ability to minister to them? See, brother or sisters in Christ, we have such freedom. Hear me well. Embrace your freedom. Live into your freedom. Love your freedom that, that is yours in the gospel. It's not a freedom to sin. Let me be very clear. It's a freedom in holiness, but it means you're not bound by the Old Testament and their, their uh, ceremonial laws. You're not bound by anything the scripture doesn't speak directly to. 
But, but that freedom is not meant to be used in a way that hurts someone else. You still have the obligation to love. So the ancient way for the modern day is to think critically about the freedoms you have. Maybe you're the weaker brother and you need to realize that, that you have been given more freedom and maybe you're, you're kind of wandering in a spot where your conscience is bound and, and maybe it's a moment to repent and to turn toward the Lord and recognize the freedom you have in him. But, but I would say for, for many of us, maybe this is a moment where we say, what's more important, the freedoms I have or the obligations I have? I think if we walk in our obligations, we fulfill the law of love. And, and I think in times we'll experience those freedoms more appropriately. This is the ancient way for our modern day.